0: I'm so glad you guys are here worshiping with us today. Welcome to Cornerstone, to everybody on site. Welcome to everybody watching online as well. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Matt. Uh, happy to be back. I was pretty sick last week, so I'm excited to be back here preaching again today. Uh, uh, I appreciate all the prayers that everybody was praying for me, reaching out. <clears throat> Not sure if I have a food allergy or if it was food poisoning or what, but I'll put it this way. I lost seven pounds in a 36-hour period. It was pretty intense. Yeah, I know people are like, wow, can you cough on me? Was it, it wasn't viral, so don't get too excited. Um, <laughs> but for real, thank you so much for your prayers. It means more than I can tell you. So we are in this series here and now, here and now. And what we're talking about, what we're focusing on is the idea that it's so easy in, in church world, we can use very churchy language, and one of the things that you hear a lot um, is the best is yet to come right? We, we all hear that, the best is yet to come. And while that's true in a sense, right, that whenever you follow Jesus, there's always greater days ahead because he just gets to prove his faithfulness time and time again. So that is true in a sense, but what I worry can happen is whenever we think that the best is just yet to come, we, we neglect the faithfulness of God in our just normal moments, our day-to-day moments, that God is faithful right here, and right now, and so that's what we've been talking about, this idea that God wants to do incredible things uh, for his glory in our life right here and right now, not just in some distant future. And so we've been looking at how that plays out, not just in our lives, but how we believe that's going to play out for our church as we look to uh, renovate our facility, look to add on uh, a multi-purpose uh, space. And so we're looking at what it means for God to be faithful, not just in the future, but in the here and now. And I think we can all agree we need uh, uh, some changes to our building. Can I get an amen, right? Like we, we, we need some changes. Uh, you guys remember a few weeks ago I was talking about how we almost had pipes freeze on us and we had to get space heaters out there to warm them up real quick. Um, the whole reason we have these lights... Don't worry, I'm not getting really vain, and I wanted awesome lighting on myself. That's not what this is. Our, our lighting bar actually up here, uh, during the week, uh, we had one of the uh, power sources for it blow, and so we had to rely on bringing in some other lights. So there's just a ton of little things here and there. Um, we just, we, we need some help. Our facility needs some help, and we're believing uh, that we're going to see God do some great things as we continue pursuing uh, uh, his will for our church. One of the cool things that's actually happened recently, and I'm going to make sure I cover their name because they would like to remain anonymous, Um, but right here, I've got a check for our Here and Now campaign for $41,000 from, isn't that incredible? Um, This is from... Uh, a a couple in our church. This is an incredible, incredible gift. These these are people who are believing exactly that. You know what? They, They believe in the mission of Cornerstone. They believe in the way that we try to live out the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God ethic. And so they're partnering with us in this incredible way. And it's just so exciting to see God continue to move again, Not just believing he's going to do it in the future, but trusting and knowing he's going to do it right here and right now. So that's just an incredible thing, something for us to be grateful for. Now, last week you may have heard it mentioned um, that we've had a a very much a grassroots campaign so so far, our building campaign. It's been a lot of small donations, right? Which is incredible. We've raised, guys, we've raised over $300,000. And a lot of that, that's amazing, right? That's amazing stuff. And the vast majority of it has been small donations. It hasn't, <laughs> hasn't been big bad boys like this. Like, it's been a lot smaller stuff, which is really cool. Like, that's, that's great. Um, and that's actually on purpose. Like, we don't have a lot of big donors at the moment, and that's intentional. You see, we have some people, we have some uh, uh, networks and connections that we're going to approach and we're going to talk to, people who can write pretty large checks, but we specifically haven't yet. It's for a bunch of reasons. First off, we haven't talked to these people yet because we don't want anyone to feel like we're expecting them to come do what we should be doing. (laughs) Like, oh, you want me to sacrifice and write you a check while your church isn't really doing anything. Like, you guys aren't trusting God with your finances. You're not really doing anything. You just want an angel investor to come in and build this thing for you, and that's not the case. We wanna show, no, our church doesn't just say we believe in God, we really believe in God. We trust him with our time, with our talent, with our treasure, and so we're doing everything we can Will you join and partner with us? So that's, that's one reason for it. Another reason that we haven't talked to a big donor yet is because we want to make sure all of our plans, all of our concepts, everything is as solid as it can possibly be. Because while there may, there may be, you know, an exception to the rule here or there, the vast majority of people who can write really big checks, they want to see a plan. I I can't blame them, I can't blame them. I wouldn't be eager to write a fat check to someone who's like, dude, I can't tell you what it's gonna look like, but it's gonna be sweet, like it's gonna be cool. Like, oh, great, let me crack out the checkbook. How many zeros? Like, that's not not how that's gonna work. Those people, they, they want a plan. They wanna see that this was thought out, that this was prayed over, that you fasted over this, that you sought the best advice and the best counsel that you could have. And so that's what we've been doing. We have been waiting, we've been waiting. We're planning this thing out. We've got a dream, and we've got a plan for that dream. I've heard it said, and I, I love this. This is so good. I don't know who to attribute this to. I wish I did, but this quote is so good. A vision without a plan is a hallucination, right? <laughs> a vision without a plan is a hallucination, right? You can have vision all you want, but if you don't have a plan, a God-honoring, God-structured plan, it's nothing more than just a dream, It's a hallucination. Nothing's going to really come of it. And uh, I think about that, and I think about how in my own life, at the beginning of every year, I like to structure the year ahead. And so I I plan out my calendar, and I start adding uh, uh, big, important stuff, and then I start going to fun stuff. Like, oh, fun stuff that would be nice to do with the family. And so, you know, I put in, like, oh, events at the IX Center. This would be cool to go to. That would be cool to go to. Um, you know, Christmas in July, that's something that would be fun to just kind of have, like on July 25th, there's something fun at the house with the kids, put that on there. Oh, Halloween weekends at Cedar Point, that's a blast, I'll add that on there. So I add all these things onto my calendar, and I got to tell you, it's embarrassing how few of them I actually accomplish. Because I add them to my calendar, they're, they're a vision, they're a dream, they're something that I think would be fun, but they don't transition from my calendar to my to-do list, you follow me? They don't, they don't make that transition. And so since I'm not actually planning, I'm not building out a plan around these things, they don't end up happening. And for our church, our dream of this facility where we're going to be able to welcome more people in, welcome more people into the family, open up our doors for more kind of community events, that can't just be a dream. That we have, It can't just be a vision that we want to have. We have got to put flesh on it. We've got to build a plan around this. And I would say the same is true for your life. As we get into scripture today, we're going to see this to be true. In your life, in my life, if we want it to be a life that honors God, a life that actually makes a difference and we make an impact that lasts beyond us, it's not going to happen from well wishes and hopes. And ooh, I I hope, I hope, (laughs) I hope that my life turns out good. I hope I make an impact. I hope I make a difference. We need to plan. We need to strategize. We need to think things out. We can't just dream because a vision without a plan is a hallucination. My wife is actually at Disney uh, this weekend. She's in Orlando. And the whole reason she's able to go there, the whole reason that they're down there is because her and her sister have had dreams of doing a sister's trip, doing something like this. Um, And her sister, Rachel, a few months back, got an email for flights um, out of Cleveland to Orlando Get this, round trip, this isn't the price of one ticket, this is the full price of a trip down and a trip back, $52, $52, that's cheaper than a tank of gas right now to get to Florida and back, which is just incredible. And so what happened in that moment was this thing that was just an idea, that was just a vision, that was just a dream, suddenly it had some flesh on it, like, oh, well, we might be able to do this. And so they start looking up discounts, and she gets discounts for rental cars and hotels and all this different stuff. And they were able to go down there on just a, a, you know, barely, you wouldn't believe the budget that they're able to go down there and just have a couple days and go to Disney one of these days. It's amazing. And it's all because they planned. They planned. They didn't just, oh, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be awesome? Right? Where would we be as a church if that's all we said about the new facility? Oh, man, could you even imagine? Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it would be. What are we doing to make it happen, though? What are we doing to actually fill out that vision so it's not just a hallucination? We need a plan. So with that in mind, if you have your Bible and you want to open it up, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah today, the book of Nehemiah. It's a, a historical record that we find in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you just a little bit of a Cliff Notes background before we dive into it. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2. Um, Nehemiah, he's a, an incredible guy, incredible man of God. He's a Jewish man who is living in Persia. He's under Persian rule because at this point in Israel's history, they have so sinned against God that their sins have actually led to the destruction of their kingdom. This kingdom, this, this nation that God wanted to raise up to be a light to the rest of the world, they have turned their back on him in so many ways. God has let them go on their own devices. He's let them faced the consequences of their sin, and the consequences were ugly. The consequences were the destruction of their kingdom. The consequences were the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, which think about it. The city of Jerusalem was supposed to be this city that was going to be a light to the rest of the world. The city that was supposed to be, hey, look, this is what it looks like when God is king. This is what it looks like when people follow God as king, and instead they turn their back on God time and time again. And so the city is in ruins, and Nehemiah, this man who is Jewish, who's living now in Persia under uh, uh, King Artaxerxes, he's working for him, he hears about this, he hears about the ruin that Jerusalem is in, how the walls have fallen, and it breaks him, it completely breaks his heart. That's where we pick up. We're going to be reading today from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and how this is going to work. I'm going to read down through it, and then for the rest of our time together, we're going to kind of dive back into it to see different things that we can uh, learn from this account. So this is what it says. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, Let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, So he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. King granted his request here. So there is so much we can learn from this. In fact, I would wager if you've ever been to a church that's doing a building campaign They've preached on Nehemiah. (laughs) Like every church does it because there's so much good stuff here, so many good things that we can uh, extract from this scripture. And I would encourage you to read the entire story of Nehemiah. There's such good stuff in here. We're just focusing in here on chapter 2 today. But there's so many great truths that we can take. And what I want us to do today, we're going to be kind of running along two tracks So the track one, we're going to be talking about how we can apply this to our church family, how we as a church can take the truth that we learned from Nehemiah and how he handled his situation um, as a church family, but also as individuals, when it comes to just our own individual life, how we can learn from Nehemiah and make sure that we are following God's plan in the best way possible. So if you're taking notes today, if you're a note taker, our sermon title is From Concept to Concrete. From concept to concrete. Now, every concept starts with a question. It starts with the question, why? Right? Why? Why is the first question of any concept? And I know you, if you're relatively new to Cornerstone, you may be wondering, why are we building? Like, what, what's the what's the point of building? Isn't this good enough? We've actually had people say that to us before. Like, hey, this building's good enough. We don't even need to add on. We don't need to do anything. Well, the why for the building here at Cornerstone is because I fully believe, and I get it, I'm biased, I'm the lead pastor here, but I fully believe Cornerstone is just built different. We are a unique church. We're very unique. The way that we live out the kingdom of God, the way that we try to love like Jesus, full of grace and full of truth, the way that we live that out is very unique. It just is. That's why we have person after person come here and say, man, this just, this felt different. I can't really put my finger on it. Things just kind of felt different here. And we love hearing that. Because it means we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, that the Spirit of God is filling in, that people aren't walking away going, oh, I loved it because Pastor Jacob's so skilled. Oh, I love it because the worship team's so good. No, we want people coming in saying, "Not something else. I can't put my finger on it. We want people moved by the Spirit here, not by us. And we feel like that's happening, that this is a very unique church. And we don't want to limit how many people can experience that. We just don't. I know, like here, just real quick, look around the room. If you're online, you, you can't tell, but just look around the room in here real quick. You might be thinking to yourself, well, there's some, you know, there's some open seats. There's some here and there's some here. Do we really need to build though? Do we really need to build? Um, you want to know something? The only people who are like pumped, pump, 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 whenever uh, it's completely packed out and there's nowhere else to sit is like the staff and the pastor. Like we're like, yes, it's packed to the gills in here. That's awesome. Think about, think about whenever you go to a movie, like, you go, you get your popcorn, you get your nachos, you got your drink, and you round the corner, and as you walk in the auditorium, imagine it's just packed. Are you excited? Like, oh, what an experience this is going to be. I can't wait. It's packed in here. You're like, oh, gosh, we're going to break our necks sitting in the front row trying to watch the whole time. And that's exactly what new people think when they come in. They're they're not looking at it and going, oh, well, of course, there's a seat here and one there and one there. They're going, I don't want to sit, like... We have to sit right by someone I have to come up front and sit by the pastor no I'm out like I'm going I'm going somewhere else right we want to make room we want to make room that's the why is making room for people we're not let me tell you I know the building looks great you've all seen the designs it's out there in in our lobby the building looks great we're not building so we can have a church that you're proud of to post on Instagram it's not why we're doing it so that you can be like, whew, finally it's a church that I can be like, huh, see, look, this is where I go. Isn't this cool? Look how cool we are. That's not why we're doing this. We're building this church for people, for people, people to be able to come, more people to be able to come and experience. We were trying to clear the way as much as we can for people to come and be a part of what God is doing at Cornerstone, and that's what gets me pumped when I think about what we're doing here. Isn't the building itself, but the people that we're going to be able to welcome, the the open gyms that we're going to be able to have, that kids are going to come and be a part of, and then later on, whenever something happens in their life, either a great thing like a wedding or a sad thing like a funeral, they're going to remember, hey, we don't really go to church, but remember that church that we had that open gym app, maybe they would be interested in doing it, and then they connect with us that way. There, there's so many ways we can connect with people, and that's the why. That's the, the why behind the concept of what we're doing. And whenever I think about that, and I look at Nehemiah's why, Nehemiah's why, his heart was broken because this city that was supposed to be a symbol of God's faithfulness and God's greatness to the rest of the world, this city was in ruins. Like he said, why, why can I look anything but sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed how can I be anything but sad whenever I realize this city that was supposed to symbolize God's faithfulness to everybody else is in ruins it stirred his heart it captured his heart and I think about that and I'm like man I I want what what captures God's heart needs to capture my heart What stirs God's heart needs to stir my heart. What breaks God's heart needs to break my heart, and Nehemiah had that. Nehemiah had his heart moved by the things that move God's heart, and for us, that's the same thing. Our our heart can't be moved because we want to have a social media-worthy church. That's not it. Our heart needs to be moved by what moves God's heart, people, people, people finding the Father, finding a family, and finding a fulfilling future. What captures his heart should capture our heart. And so I want to ask you on a personal level, not talking about the church, just personally, what's capturing your heart? What are you dreaming about? What what are the plans that you have in mind for maybe relationships, your, your career, the way you parent your kids? What are your dreams and thoughts? Are those dreams and thoughts the same thing that captures God's heart? Are they lining up? Are they lining up? Or are the things that you're dreaming and you're so passionate about and you're so focused on, are they good things but not God things? And you're putting your all into these and you're focusing everything, your time, talent, treasure in an area where it's not really what God's focused on. What are you dreaming? Is it aligned with God? I got to tell you, I'm so thankful for all the times God has told me no to the areas I've been dreaming and it wasn't aligned with him. Or, again, not even that it was a bad thing, but it just it wasn't a God thing. And so God said, hey, no, no, we're not moving forward with that concept. We're not, we're not going any farther. I'm so thankful for those no's, for those things that have remained on the concept board. I remember whenever I was going from high school to college, I was considering going away to college somewhere. Maybe somewhere, probably still in the state, but away a little bit. Um, and that was hard. I, I thought about it for a long time, prayed on it. Um, because a lot of my friends were going to colleges out like out a little ways, so or they were staying on uh, campus. And that was difficult because I'm like, well, man, they're all doing it. But I kept feeling uh, feeling this urge, this nudge to stay home, to not do that. Even though there was a pretty big desire and pretty big pull to do the opposite. I'm so thankful that I didn't do the opposite. I'm so thankful I stayed at home and that I said no to that thing because by staying at home I was able to start working at the church I got even more involved here I met my wife here like there's so many things that God brought out of it I'm so thankful for that no I'm thankful for that concept staying on the drawing board so whenever I think about that from the perspective of our church family there are so many no's that we've gotten that have been for our benefit they've been for our benefit Because God had bigger things in mind. The things that were capturing his heart were different things than what we were thinking of. I think about our old facility on 578 Killian Road. Beautiful building. I got married in that building. I love that building. I have nothing but good memories there. But honestly, it's probably a good thing we don't have it anymore. In some ways, it limited us. I guarantee you the steps we're taking as a ministry, the ways that we're reaching out and trying to do new things, we would not be able to do those things if we were still there. We just wouldn't. We're thinking about ministry in a whole different light than we ever used to. And it's because we are having our hearts captured by what captures God's heart. We are so focused on people now. (laughs) The building is almost like an afterthought, right? We're so focused on people, and God's been building that up in our church over these last years, and so I'm thankful for that no. I'm thankful that it didn't work out because what captures God's heart is what should capture our heart. And I'm so thankful we were able to make that decision as a church. That's because we have a church that prays. That's because we have a board of directors that prays and fasts and make sure that we are doing exactly what we are supposed to do, following God's plan. And here is a, a, a huge key, and we see this as we continue reading in Nehemiah chapter 2. Here's a big thing, too. It's not enough to just say yes to God's plan. Like, that's, that's not enough. It's, it's good, right? Like, we want our hearts to be captured by what captures God's heart. Amen, that's awesome, but it's not enough to just say yes to that. We need to say yes to God's plan and yes to God's providence. And what providence is, let me define it for you real quick. Providence is called God's sustaining guidance. That's what providence is. And so when we say yes to God's plan, we can't just stop there. We need to say, God, I'm saying yes to your way and I am saying yes to your guiding, sustaining hand all throughout. Because I don't want to just say yes to a God thing, but then do it my way. No, like I I want to say yes to a God thing, and I want to do it your way. I want you to guide me the whole way. I love this. Listen to uh, Nehemiah. This is again uh, uh, chapter two. looks into verse four. Uh, The king said to me, what is it you want? And then mid-conversation, mid-conversation with the most powerful person in the world, the king of Persia, Nehemiah says, I prayed to the God of heaven, mid-conversation. King says, what do you want? Nehemiah prays, right then. Because he came in with a plan, I need to go, I need to, I need to rebuild Jerusalem, I need to rebuild the wall, but that wasn't enough. He says, and I need to do it God's way. I don't wanna do it my way. My way is not the right way. I wanna do it God's way, and so he prays to God. He prays to God for favor, he prays to God for insight, and we need to do the exact same thing thing. Because when we partner with God, when we don't just say yes to his plan, but yes to his providence, he does things we could never do on our own. You're not as smart as you think you are. Don't worry, I'm not either. (laughs) I'm not as skilled as I think I am. I'm not as good of a person as I think I am. I need God's help. We all do. Has anyone ever heard of Blake Mikowski? Founder of Tom Shoes. Tom Shoes, maybe you've heard of that. Um, Tom Shoes is an incredible organization. Blake Mikowski, he's a, a born again believer. And what they do is uh, they do shoes. They, they give shoes away to kids uh, and adults across the world who are in bad need of them. In third world countries, places where people can't afford uh, footwear, they give them shoes. And how it all started was back in 2006, I believe, uh, Blake Mikowski was on a trip to Argentina. While he was there, he saw another organization giving away shoes, and it just it moved his heart. He just was moved. It's like, man, I, I just never even thought of this being a tangible need for people. You just always think about food and water. You don't think about, like, apparel. You don't think about shoes, but it's such a need for people. And so what captured his heart was something that captures God's heart, Right? Felt needs for people who are suffering, people who are walking on all kinds of terrain with no shoes. They have no shoes. So this thing captured his heart. That's good. What breaks God's heart broke his heart. And so he thought on that, and he prayed on that, and he's like, man, I know I need to do something. What, what do I need to do? So he's saying yes to God's plan, but this is what's so great. He didn't just say yes to God's plan. Like, okay, God, it breaks my heart, too. I'm going to go p- give people shoes. He followed God's providence, He followed God's guidance throughout the whole thing. And so that means he prayed. He sought counsel. He took advice. He looked for the best way to do things. And so the best way to do things, he started to realize from advice and from counsel and from prayer, he's going, you know what? If I just one time gave away shoes, if I just did a fundraiser to try to get $50,000, $100,000, and I go over there and I give these shoes away, then guess what? I'm done. After that, it's like, well, there you go. That's it. He actually said, his friend put it this way for him. He said, B- uh, Blake, that's great that you want to give away shoes, but what about the next pair? Like, that the, the kid's not going to wear size eight the rest of his life. What happens when he needs another pair, and you're gone, and your money's exhausted? What happens then? And that just troubled him, and so he thought on it and thought on it, and how, that's how he came up with the one-for-one one concept that almost all charities seem to use anymore. He came up with this idea, this idea of, you know what, what I'm going to do instead of uh, doing a complete nonprofit, I'm going to have a for-profit company. And this is how I'm going to do it. I am going to sell shoes back in the States, back to people who can afford them, back to people who need them. And for every pair I sell, I give one away for free. That way this thing can continually go on and on. And it's not just this one-time thing. And then. That's how that kid gets the next pair of shoes. And the next one, I can give someone shoes from birth to death essentially this way. And the number's even higher now because this was back in 2018. In 2018, Tom Shoes has given over 60 million pairs of shoes away. Not sold, given that many away. That's incredible. Do you think Blake could have came up with that all on his own? Of course not. <laughs> of course not. That's God's providence. That's God's guiding hand, guiding him the whole way through. That's Blake saying, God, what breaks your heart breaks my heart. I want to follow your plan, and I want to follow your way. I want to follow your guidance. Guide me the whole way through. We need that in our church, and we need that in our own personal life. We need to be able to say, God, you know what? I, I want your Will and I want your way in my life when it comes to my relationships, when it comes to how I parent my kids, when it comes to the kind of husband I am. I don't want to just say, Yes, I'm going to be a good husband and then try to figure out on my own what that looks like. I want to say, God, I'm going to be the best husband I can be, and then I'm going to follow your steps of what that looks like. I'm going to follow your guidance of how that actually plays out. When we do that, we will see miracles happen in our midst when we say yes to God's plan and when we say yes to God's providence. Actually, this is something I forgot to mention last service too. Um, The the people who gave um, this this check that we have up here, the people who gave this check, um, they were people who back a year ago, this is just nuts. This is nuts. Back a year ago, whenever we were first... talking about the campaign and everything, we got cards printed out. You you can see them. You can grab one for yourself out there. And one of the people uh, who who wrote this check, whenever we were looking at the cards, he said, hey, look, I I don't want to, I know we've already got these cards printed, so it's too late. I get that. But I just wanted to say some of the numbers on here, I'm worried they're too big. Like, the suggested amounts, like, telling people, like, hey, if you give this much, this is how it would play out. He's like, I'm worried they're too big because, honestly, it, it may, like, get people depressed, feeling like, oh, I could never give that amount. And he pointed to one of the amounts. He's like, like, that one, I, I feel like you'd have to probably be like a millionaire to be able to give something that big, right? We're like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally get what you're thinking. I get your train of thought. But you know what? We just, this is best advice we've gotten from people. And so we're just going to keep rolling with it. And, but thank you. That, I, I mean, I get it. I get where you're coming from. Little did they know. In one year from that day, they would be giving a check for that amount. How crazy is that? That's nuts. But that's because those are people who didn't just say yes to God's plan and say yes to God saying, you know, you know what? Yeah, I'm going I'm to try to honor you with my finances. They really followed that through. They followed God's guiding hand of like, okay, what does it actually look like to trust God with my finances? What does it actually look like to to put all of my faith and my trust in him? And because of that, God did a miracle. He did a miracle. So what I want to say is whenever we do these things, whenever whenever we have our heart get broken by what breaks God's heart, Whenever what stirs him stirs our heart, and whenever we start saying, you know what, God, I'm going to say yes to you and your plan, but not just your plan, also to your providence, to your guiding hand. When we do those things, we need to be ready. We need to be ready because we have no idea when God is going to move his plan for our life from concept to concrete. We have no idea we have no clue. It can happen like this. Let me, let me read again. This is uh, Nehemiah. Listen to this story. So Nehemiah tells the king, hey, this is, this is what's breaking my heart, the city of my ancestors, the city uh, that means so much. It's in ruins. The king says to him, hey, what is it you want? Uh, Nehemiah says, please let me go, travel back there uh, to be able to fix the city. And I'm sure it would have been easy for the conversation to just end there, right? Like, okay, we'll we'll work out the details later. We'll figure everything out. But listen to this. So he says that. The king says, okay, what, what do you want? Nehemiah says, I want to go back and rebuild the city. Then verse 6, then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? When will you get back? Starts probing a little bit deeper. Imagine if Nehemiah hadn't really thought this thing out. All he knew was like, you know what this breaks my heart that the city's torn apart and you know what i'm gonna say yes to god's way and i'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna ask the king about this and we're gonna do something about it what if he would have just said to the king let me go rebuild the city and the king says okay well how, how long do you think it will take it's a good question i uh i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know I, have, I, I haven't really thought about that yet okay well are you gonna need anything nehemiah like do you need anything on your way That's another good question. I actually hadn't thought about that, maybe, like I might. I'm sure I will at some point. Can I I meet back up with you in a couple months after I've thought this out a little bit more, right? Can't you see how that would have happened? But it didn't happen. You know why it didn't? Because Nehemiah was ready. He was ready. He had been thinking about this. He knew that at any moment God's plan could move from concept to theoretical to wouldn't that be nice to oh suddenly it's here. Suddenly I have the opportunity to do this thing and do this thing now. I think about uh, the back whenever the Cavs won the, uh, the championship 2016. I was still working at Allstate at that time and how they do uh, PTO, how they handle paid time off, is it was split up into halves. So the first half of the year and the second half of the year and the first half of the year is whenever my family goes on vacation. So I didn't have that much PTO left, but I knew there was a chance that the Cavs could win a title, slim chance that they could win a title. And it's on my bucket list to go to a championship parade for a Cleveland sports team. So with that little bit of PTO that I had left, I hung on to it, I hung on to it. No matter how slim the chances seemed, especially whenever they got down (laughs) 3-1, it looked like I was holding on to this for no good reason that I was preparing and preparing, and it was never going to amount to anything. But the rest is history, right? We all know they battled back. They ended up winning the series 4-3, won a title. And guess what I did? I had PTO. So I put that bad boy in, and I was up in downtown Cleveland the day of the championship parade. Got to experience like a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It was utter insanity. It was so great. Memories I'll never forget. And the whole reason I was able to do that was because I prepared for it. There was a plan. (laughs) This wasn't just a concept. I was ready that, you know what? They probably won't get to the title. They probably won't get there, but just in case, I will be ready. Just like Nehemiah. I'm sure Nehemiah thought, you know what, there's a chance the king says no, but if he says yes, if he starts to probe a little bit deeper, I wanna be ready. I want him to know, I've been thinking about this. I've been praying over this. And so whenever Nehemiah responds, he, he actually brings things up that the king doesn't even ask. King says, "How long will it take? When should you get back?" And Nehemiah's like, "Yeah, this is about how long. By the way, I'm going to need uh, uh, this kind of order for safe passage. I'm going to need to talk to this person so I can get the right building materials. I'm going to need to talk to this person, that person." He had thought this whole thing out. He was ready. Are you ready? I'm serious. Are you, are you ready for what God could do in your life? Are you like Nehemiah, where if God brings an opportunity your way, if, if, if a relationship comes your way, if a job opening comes your way, if a friendship comes your way, are you actually ready for it? Will you actually be able to steward it well? Are you preparing yourself right now or no? No. Will you be taken off guard? will you be stuttering and i uh, I don't know i uh, let me let me try to get things in order real quick. you have no idea when that thing that you're hoping for that thing that you're praying for will move from concept to concrete, and you want to be ready back at uh, christmas of twenty Christmas of twenty nineteen here at Cornerstone we were Heading uh, up to the end of the year, and our staff had been praying about it because we knew that we needed to do uh, a giving campaign. We, we were wanting to do some fundraising towards the end of the year. We knew that God was putting it on our heart to do it, but we had no idea why. Like, just no idea. We needed a better tagline than vision and victory. Give us your money for an unspecified reason. Right? Like, that's not very motivating, is it, right? Don't, you don't want to give to that. Um, but we didn't have a, a tangible thing on it. We just knew God was putting this on our heart. And we're like, well, okay, this is how we're going to talk to people about it. The exact way we feel God putting it on our heart, that we are looking to raise money to help move Cornerstone forward. And we told people that. We we were jokingly like, hey, look, don't know if this is super inspiring, but this is what we're looking for. We're looking for money to help push our church forward. We don't even know what that looks like yet. But will you partner with us? And people did. We raised, get this, $70,000, more than $70,000 in just that one week. And it was incredible. A move of God, just incredible stuff. And we had no idea that in less than three months, the world would just go to crap. We had no idea that in less than three months, COVID-19 would be shutting down churches left and right, that we would have to go to online only. We had no clue. But guess what? When it happened, we were prepared. We were ready. We weren't caught with our foot out the door. Like, we, we were good To go. A bunch of other churches, this is what was so great. We got that money. One of the things we did was started investing in cameras. We started investing in stuff to make sure, you know what? We want to be able to broadcast online, like, in a good way. We've been doing it for years, but just not great quality. And we're like, we actually are going to upgrade our quality. This is something that we're going to do. So we did that ahead of time. Thank God we did. You couldn't contact any of those live streaming streaming companies during the early days of the pandemic. They were, like, completely booked out for months, People are like, hey, we're on back order for everything. We can't help anybody because all these churches that have never cared about it been like, ah, eh, whatever, it's not real church unless you're in person, right? It's not actual church, so they've never did anything. Suddenly, this hits, and they're beating down the door saying, hey, we need, we need cameras. We need streaming equipment. Thank goodness we were prepared. We were prepared. Don't you want to find your life in a similar way? If you're praying for someone, you're praying for a relationship, don't you want to find yourself ready for that relationship? If you're praying for for a job that really feels like it fulfills your purpose, don't you want to be the kind of person who actually would do things for God in that job? So whenever he hands it to you, whenever he gives it to you, you're actually making that difference? You got to be prepared. You got to be ready because you have no idea when God will move his plan for your life from concept to concrete. We're trying to do that as a church. We're trying to make sure we're as ready as we possibly can. The consultants that we've worked with, they've talked uh, about when we do start building, like not even when the building's finished, just when we start building and people are driving by and they see the exterior changing and they see construction happening, they said do not not worry about if you're going to grow. That's not an if question. That's a when question. It's happening. (laughs) You you are going to get a lot, a lot, a lot. Your location here, your name recognition in the community, you're going to get a ton of people here. The question isn't if you'll get people. The question is if you'll be ready for the people. Like, are you actually going to be able to handle it? Are you going to have systems in place, people in place, to truly care for people? Or are you going to welcome more people, have your doors open, and people are falling through the uh, cracks left and right? People aren't being loved on in the way you used to love on people. People aren't being noticed. Are you going to be ready? So we're doing everything we can to be ready. That's why we're constantly saying, man, get involved as a ministry partner, not just so that the church can be ready, but you can be ready. You can be ready for what God's bringing your way. Start getting involved now so that when the moment comes, when God brings something our way, we are ready to seize it. I think about King David. Uh, King David, he is a model example of this, of just being ready, because he was anointed as the next king of Israel, and the moment between his anointing and his actual enthronement as the next king was more than 20 years. Think about that. 20 years of concept. 20 years of, man, one of these days, one of these days. What if he had done something in those intervening years to just completely remove God's hand off of his life? What if he had done something in, in any of those years to, to get himself unprepared? What if that would have happened? But he didn't. He was ready. So when the moment struck, when God brought the opportunity his way, he was ready to seize it. I want the same to be true for us as a church. I want us to be ready when people come. I want us to be, if someone writes us an even bigger check, with an extra zero on the end. I want us to be able to tell them we know exactly how that'll get spent. This is where it will go. We've already been planning for it. We've been preparing for it. We've been praying for you. You don't even know it, but your gift is an answer to prayer. We've been planning for this rather than, whoa, that's a big number. I don't know, thanks. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't really know what we're gonna do with it. But no, we wanna be thinking ahead. We want to honor God in everything we do and we do that when we get ready now, you may be someone who feels like you're stuck right now, like you're kind of stuck in the concept phase. Has anyone ever been there before? A- amen, right? You feel like you're just kind of stuck in concept. And you're like, can we ever become concrete? Like, can I ever see something shift here? I want to tell you, while you're waiting, just keep working. Just keep working. A a pause in the plan is not a pause for productivity, (laughs) right? Just because it feels like the plan for for your life that you thought was going to happen is paused right now doesn't mean you won't still be productive for God and still do the things you know you need to do and still serve and still give of your time, talent, and treasure and still try to become as much like Jesus as you possibly can. Get yourself ready Get yourself ready because you never know when things will move from concept to concrete. And we're seeing that happen here in our church. We're seeing people's spiritual lives move from just kind of this more theoretical concept to, no, I'm actually seeing tangible results in my life as I'm following Jesus. I notice I'm kinder. I notice I'm gentler with people. I, I, I'm just, I'm changing. We're, we're seeing that happen. And another cool thing is we're seeing the changes start to happen in our actual physical church building as well. We're getting closer to concrete. We're we're starting to dip our toe out of the concept phase. And so with that in mind, I wanna let you guys know we have a special guest here today, uh, Monty Trask. He is the president of construction team management of the group that we've hired to kind of oversee our entire building renovation and construction project. So I'm gonna ask, if you would, let's give a warm cornerstone welcome as he comes to stage, Monty Trask. Thank you so much for being here again, Monty, appreciate it. So good to have you on site with us. I got to say, from the second we met Monty, we fell hard for him. (laughs) He's he's an incredible guy, just super humble, loves the Lord, knows his stuff, knows his way around construction, and uh, we're just so happy to have you here with us today. Just have a few questions I'd like to ask you, too, as we dive in today. First off, could you just share a little bit about your background in the construction industry? Sure. Here, I got you. Here, you can grab mine if you want. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) There it goes. Now it's powering up. All right. No? Hold on. I think it's. There we go. There it is. All right.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of soft-spoken, so I probably should have a mic.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, so just your your background in the construction industry.
1: Well, I've been in construction for exactly 40 years. Uh, Started out in residential framing. I worked for a, a nice guy that taught me things that I didn't think I'd be able to learn. I eventually started my own business, and then I built custom homes for quite a while, designed and built custom homes, and then eventually got into real, uh, commercial construction. So I guess I have built anything from a dog house to $100 million shopping center. So <laughs> I've got a little bit of experience right. in all aspects. I've ran jobs. I've you know, helped in a lot of different ways. So that's really all
0: I know is construction. That's awesome. That's so great. And uh, what about your background in the church? Can you talk about that just a little bit? Oh, sure. I I wasn't raised in the
1: church. Like I think I said last service, I think my father is, he's the greatest man I've ever met. I I always thought if I could be half the man he was. And, And yet, you know, he didn't know God when I was younger. So I, uh, I met a girl. Anybody else have that issue? (laughs) (laughs) And she was raised in the church, so it was important to her, and I wasn't really the kind of guy that her dad was probably all that excited to have come over, but (laughs) I knew that uh, church was important to her, so of course, in anything any smart young man would do, I (laughs) said, I'm going to pursue God, And, and what I found was that God pursued me, and then the rest is history. That's
0: awesome. I started,
1: you know, being involved in the church. We started having kids, and, you know, from teaching Sunday school to youth leadership to leading worship for several, several years. Uh, My kids lead worship in other states. You know, it's just God's really blessed us to, you know, take someone from a— humble you know beginning with him to even use me any possible way is amazing that's me, so cool
0: so. that's awesome and that's one of the things that drew us towards monty and construction team management from the onset was the fact that you work with churches we had talked to other construction companies that were really nice really great but they're not familiar with churches but you guys are so um who exactly is construction team management and what makes construction team management unique when it comes to church construction? Sure. So
1: church and construction, they, they don't even go together. I mean, construction <laughs> is a process of building things for people. And when you're building something for God, it's a whole nother ball game. It's hard to be frugal with God's money because he doesn't need it. So most churches they they end up you know, getting taken advantage of because they're a one time you know, maybe you'll do two campaigns in twenty years, but mm-hmm. you know, ultimately you are a one stop shop and you're not gonna get the best deals and you're probably not gonna get what you want because the architects or the construction people they don't understand church. So mm-hmm. Sean Case is my partner in this mess, and he he has been a minister for years and years. He was actually my kids, my older kids, youth minister when they were little, so I've known him forever. He's my best friend in this world, and he has this great knowledge of how the church works, how it functions, how teams work together, how teams go out, and how you reach your community, and the importance of community, and and he also has a design background, so between the two of us, we love the church, we want the church to be successful, we want the church to get a fair deal, so mm-hmm. being able to, about six years ago, we created this company that, you know, for the rest of my time doing this kind of work. I want it to be in the kingdom so that we can help churches reach their potential, not what we see, but what they see in themselves. So that's why we started. That's
0: awesome. And like I said, whenever we met Monty, we, we, we loved him and loved how just evident uh, it was that he was just a humble guy, that he loved the Lord. But we also got to go see his work. We got to go see a church that he worked at, uh, Southbrook. Uh, Sean's church down in Dayton, and we're just blown away. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's just so good. So he's also very, very skilled at what he does. And he's been able to see how the projects, once churches are done, how it affects that church's ministry. So could you just talk about that a little bit, how you see a project like ours impact the ministry of churches?
1: Well, sure. The fact that I didn't scare Rachel the first time we met, I'm
0: pretty sure I had a big beard and a cowboy hat on, right?
1: (laughs) In a mask, in a, a plan. <laughs> so, well, I, what I have seen is the churches that are the most successful with coming up with a plan are, are, are churches who have a vision of who they are. So, one of the things we wanted to make sure that we do, and, and hopefully we do that well, when we sit down with someone, we we make it awkward because we're going to make you tell us who you are. I mean, that's our whole deal. We don't want to come in and create something that we think is best for you. So, our whole goal is to get churches to speak to us and talk to us in a way that we can understand who you are, and being here today even helps that even more, because now I've experienced your service, I've heard your sermon, I've worshipped with you I felt the presence of God and that's all important for me and Sean to understand who you are so the churches that do this well they don't worry about how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen they worry about who it's going to happen for mm-hmm. and if you have that heart and you have that desire the rest is gravy mm-hmm. you know people sometimes think well you know I can't give any more or I can remember, I'll I'll, I'll give you three types of people. One would be someone who forgot his wallet on Sunday and, shoot, the the offering plate went by again. And then, oh, I'll I'll give next week, and I'm I'm giving you twice what I did last year, which was nothing. (laughs) And then you have those who, who actually learn how to tie, and that's hard. I've been there. I've been all three of those people. And it takes, these kind of projects take every single person in a congregation mm-hmm. now you don't have to go home and smash your five-year-old's piggy bank but <laughs> you should 15 years from now that five-year-old should see that you were invested in their future right. so I've seen churches that go into the community and I, I reference going to Mexico or a third world country where you see poverty and the people are so happy because they have this community that we've mm-hmm. lost so The churches that build that community and they open this facility to the public, those people come in and use this facility and they're loved in a way that they don't know anything about and they don't understand, but they grow and they get involved. So it's one thing to say, hey, I'm giving my time. I'm volunteering, and I'm going to keep volunteering during this project, but God wants that treasure. It's going to take every nickel, Mm -hmm. and I promise you, I can't do anything after you open the facility, but we'll use every single dollar to the best of our ability Mm -hmm. to get you everything that you can get so that you can love the people out there, because that's what success is. It's not going to be anything. It's not going to be a pretty building or a, a space that's awesome. It's going to be the awesomeness of God, loving the people out there. Yeah. So every one of those churches is a success story. Yes. And it always is because God's in control. So right. don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be a part of something that's bigger than you because God wants to use each and every one of you, and I promise he will mm. if you align to. So
0: One of the... And one of the things that Monty has worked on, um, he worked on a space, they call it The Reverie, is that what that is, at Southbrook. um, One of the projects that he worked on, they wanted to build a chapel to be able to use for funerals, weddings, things like that. Uh, This place, I would encourage you to look it up online. It's called, if you want to see some of Monty's work, it's called The Reverie, and you can look it up in Dayton. Um, This chapel, this wedding venue that they have built, um, it's, what did it win? from the not the wedding website yeah,
1: it has been for the past two years it's the top wedding venue in the state of ohio it's at a church but it's so uniquely cool but the re- the thing that makes it cool is the vision of the people that had it there and i will tell you i i press these two pretty hard about who you guys are <laughs> and you know and sometimes they're probably they realize like well why are they asking that but <laughs> anything you see us design it's a reflection of these two right here of what they see from you and who you guys are and that's what the plans are all about and i know uh, up front there's a lot of thinking there's a lot of oh my gosh can you just tell us what to build and no <laughs> no we cannot it takes we need to define who you guys are and uh, you guys should be proud of these two because Whatever we've shown you out there it was because of that's who they see you uh,
0: in the future, mm-hmm. and that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. So. it's it's exciting times. Um, anything else you want to add as we close out, Monty? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. check there you go. Go ahead and get to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we are we are so thankful um, to say that we. To say that we are blessed by this partnership with Monty and Sean and construction team management is a massive understatement. Um, we couldn't have handpicked the people to work with better. And we're so thankful. Thank you again for being here, Monty. Can we give him a round of applause? Thank you, Thank you so much, yep. man. Well, hey, as the worship team comes back up, I just want to uh, remind us that uh, that's that's where we are we are currently still in our concept phase but man we're getting closer and closer to god moving us into the concrete phase and what's so cool is that's a promise that he's made not a promise uh, specifically about the building but a promise about his church which is us the people we talked about this vision sunday this year we we listed a whole lot of goals that we would like to hit A lot of things that we would like to see achieved here this year, and it would be incredible if we hit those things, right? Like the new building. That's going to be amazing whenever we have that thing. But that is not the end goal. The end goal is not the building. The end goal isn't any of those. It's not what we do. It's who we become. Are we becoming the people that God has created us and designed us to be? People who look and who love like Jesus did. And so if we reach the end of 2022 and that's all that's happened, it's been a good year. If we can say Cornerstone is a church that embodies the love of Christ, it's a good year. And so that's what we're doing. That's what we are trying to remember and trying to focus on, that while we are trying and working with God to build the physical church, we can take confidence knowing he is building his church. He's building it right here in every single one of us. Well, that's all for this week